Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Today on What the First Pick, we'll tell you which 15 players can improve their draft stock at the NFL Combine next week in Indianapolis. And we have a special guest to help us do that. That's right. We're joined by Mike Renner. And Rick, got some bad news for you. We finally got someone on the pod who has better hair than you. How do you feel about that? (laughs) I got a haircut just for this, actually. So I was trying to compete with Rick here. You know, it's funny. And Rick, I don't know if you know this, but Mike is a Notre Dame guy. He and Brady are tight. But uh, Mike, Rick got, he gets angry at me daily. He was passive aggressively angry at the Senior Bowl when I pointed out how handsome Sam Hartman's hair was uh, from from the stands, and Rick did not take well to to that. Oh, no, I'm trying to evaluate players, and the guys <laughs> talking about dudes' hairs there. I thought we were down there for a purpose to try to figure out what these guys are, but apparently, I didn't know we were uh, working for a hair salon. It is distracting, though. I wish they didn't invite him because I you can't help but look at him when you're trying to evaluate these other guys, right? Thank you. I'm fine. I can, yeah, I can isolate. I've, I can focus and hone in on what I need to get done. But Mike, I just want to promote our podcast with the first pick. So <laughs> thank you for being. I've heard good things about it. <laughs> there, right? I checked the box for you. My God. This is a conversation. Yeah, I, I had to give Rick a, a scolding in front of Mike, and it, it got, it got ugly a moment ago before the podcast. But we'll talk about that later. By the way, and Rick, of course, you know this because you, you go on the PFF podcast. But Mike was the, the head of a. Uh, the NFL draft covers from 2018 to 2023 for PFF. And now you can find him on his podcast, Renner Ranks. Find that wherever you get your podcast. Uh, I'm, of course, Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spielman. And this little bit we have here, Mike, uh, with our, our makeshift draft board here. Rick, how many days to the 2024 NFL draft? Mike, I know you're counting this down as well on your podcast, but there is 65 days until the 2024 NFL draft. On, and we're going to keep counting that down on with the first pick, we just want to make sure that we promote it out there so everybody hears that this is a worth the first pick countdown clock. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's it's simple, Rick. Just throw the old pod while you're out there. All right. Okay. So, Mike, uh, Rick is big on, on clear and concise instructions from uh, our producer Debo here. So, I, I don't think he can get any clearer or more concise than this, Rick. Uh, we'll each give five players who can help their draft stock with strong combines. And uh, Rick, you and I'll be in Indy next week uh, with with the first pick, the podcast that, w- that we host together, and and I think we'll be having shows Tuesday through Friday at least. So look forward to that. But for now, Rick, are the instructions clear? I got it. Uh, yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to talk about your uh, surprise guys that you put on this uh, fine list oh, that yeah. you came up with over the weekend that uh, caused me a little angst, but it gave me an opportunity to go back and study film on some down oh, the good. line. Good. And, and and Mike, you're probably aware of this if for no other reason than the last three minutes here. Rick is incredibly frank with his takes, and it's it's refreshing. Let's just put it that way. So, Rick, I'll ask you quickly, just 
don't give away names because Mike's going to go through his list first here. Any Anyone on Mike's list that, that gave you a, a Ryan Wilson agit at the moment? Or, or do you oh, pretty I good? love Mike's list. I thought they were all fine young men and I thought they were all very good players. All right, Mike, let's do it. First up is one of my favorite players. Rick is uh, – he's not Rick CB one or two, I don't think, and he may not be mine either. But Nate Wiggins out of Clemson, we talked about him over the summer, but he's on your list of guys who can certainly help themselves next week in Indianapolis. Yes, to me – he is the best pure cover guy in this class. And he has the traits to do it. He's 6'2", 185. And that's one of the things I'm just looking at seeing is, is he actually 6'2"? What's his wingspan? What's he going to come in at? Because 6'2", 185 is a skinny corner. Um, and it shows on tape. Like, he's not necessarily physical. He struggles as a tackler. Like, he has weaknesses that revolve a lot around kind of that issue of his game. But just from an athlete perspective, he, to me, is the best in this cornerback class. So fluid. I, I watch him game to game. I watch him against the FSU game and his ability to just mirror those big monsters that FSU had in the outside. Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson. It's just it was easy for him. It just looks easy. And then uh, so I'm excited to see like what he runs in the 40. And obviously because cornerbacks such a trait driven position with having to be able to have makeup speed, having to be able to make up ground because you're always kind of fighting from behind at that position. So um to be, though, that high-end cover corner, you do need high-end cover trait or physical traits. So is he going to take those boxes? I think he does. I mean, I watched him hawk down the Duke line, Duke, uh, not Duke, the North Carolina running back, the Miami running back in two games this year from like five yards behind him um, at the goal line to force fumbles. I think his speed's there. So just excited to see like what kind of athlete he really is at the end of the day. Rick, we talked about him last podcast. So I want to ask you specifics as you, you get fired up about that. But you do agree he's a first-round pick, right? Yeah, no, I think he's a first-round pick. But, Mike, since I'm like the sourpuss on this uh, <laughs> podcast, everybody has a role to fill. Apparently, I always got to be the bad guy because everybody you know, throws flowers at Ryan Wilson except myself. Um, but the one question I had, and I did the summer scouting, and I really had an issue with some of the run support stuff. I think he's gotten better this year. But I can't get out of my head Elam from Florida, who uh, mm. Buffalo took with the number one overall pick, who was long, who was athletic, who I thought had really good cover skills coming out of Florida. But I thought he was very suspect in run support. So that's where I had some flashbacks of Wiggins a little bit, maybe why I wasn't as high. Uh, but I do recognize the cover skill. I do recognize everything. The one thing that is different for me when I watch the fall tape on him is that he does at least try to throw his bag of bones in the pile and will try to be a little bit more aggressive than maybe he was the year before. I think it's all very fair and why, you know, I don't think he's getting talked about as the top actual corner in this class. Why I said just like pure cover wise, I think he's the best, but, and I think in today's NFL, that's getting more important to the guys, the corners ability to play the run corners ability to tackle because man coverage kind of at an all time low people are just scared to play it with how many explosive plays you can create. So I, I do think there are knocks and he won't be for everyone, but teams that do play a good deal, man, I, I think are still going to be looking at this guy as, you know, first round pick. Uh, I hesitate to ask you, Mike, but do you have a comp for, uh, for Mr. Wiggins? I have one and Rick has come around in my comps, but he still, I still have moments that, that get him fired up. 
I don't have one that I like. And usually if I don't like like a comp, I don't try to throw one out there and force it. So unfortunately, I don't have a good one. For oh, me. that's OK. I, I like to force comps because I like to, Rick has a squeeze ball. You'll notice and he goes through three or four <laughs> on every podcast. <laughs> but Rick, it is interesting you mentioned Kyer Elam because my comp over the summer and I haven't gone back and sort of recomp them. And my summer comps admittedly were not great, but you said shoot for the moon. So my comp for Nate over the summer and you got to squint a little bit. You got your squeeze ball ready? <laughs> Christian Gonzalez. <laughs> oh, he didn't like that one. But my comp for Kyrie Elam for Christian Gonzalez was Kyrie Elam. They're they're closer in size than Nate. Nate's a little slighter of frame, but in terms of the the questions about the the tackling and and all that, so maybe he's closer to, to Christian as a year one player than than Kyrie. Perfect. Uh, you did a fine job on that uh, comparison. I'm not going right. to disagree with you. We have a guest on today, so we have to behave. It's like right. when people come over to your house. Yeah. Like my wife had people over at the house the other day. Don't act up like you normally act up, is what she tells me. Try to be halfway civilized. So uh, Mike is considerably younger than we are, but Sebastian Manikowsko has a bit where he called, it used to be called company. Remember that? The company's coming over? No. Like that That was a thing? You didn't have that? No. All right. He, he can see how he's a great straight man, Mike. All right, next up, another guy that both – uh, I think, Rick, you like this guy, too. He's a little older, injury concerns, but he's he's got a fantastic college career, had a good senior bowl, um, linebacker, but he can line up just about anywhere. Peyton Wilson at NC State. Yeah, I watched his tape this year, and it's like this whole linebacker class, and to me, he has the most complete skill set in terms of do it all, what he wants to do. I think probably the biggest weakness of his game is maybe take on skills. He likes to play round blocks more than he likes to actually go through blocks, but Everything about the position, whether it's drop deep in coverage, whether it's play downhill as a linebacker, whether it's split out and maybe guard a slot receiver if you're, uh, you know, in an unfavorable situation, I think he could do all of that. It's just, can he stay healthy? Because two ACLs now, two dislocated shoulders, six years of college football, um, a lot kind of riding on that in terms of his medicals that Rick can probably speak more to. I don't know exactly the whole process that goes on there with those, but as an athlete, I think he could run in like the four fours. I, I saw him track down wide receivers on tape from behind at multiple times this past season. When he ranges sideline to sideline, he you know just goes with no fear in his game. So just I think in a linebacker class and a linebacker position in the NFL now, where pretty much you have to be a high-end athlete to go anywhere near highly, uh, I think he should test pretty well and move himself up. So, Rick, what are you thinking about? Peyton, just because of the age and the injury concerns, and when you think about someone like Ivan Pace Jr. last year who went undrafted and was a green dot guy from pretty much day one, how does that figure into where you're going to stack this guy? Yeah, well, just to clarify what green dot means, just for people oh, out there that listen, that's the guy that the signal or the uh, call, defensive call comes in, and that's rare for a rookie, uh, but uh, for the Vikings that uh, Pace Ivan Pace Jr. was the green dot guy where he made all the calls and adjustments, which is incredible, especially since he was a college free agent. But this will be the biggest thing on this linebacker will be the medical. Uh, the age is a little bit of a concern. When you get to 26, we will put an age alert on him. The medical and the durability, and he'll go through, he'll get lit up like a Christmas tree with every MRI and the, and the entire area of Indiana because they'll have 150 MRI machines going and he'll be in 149 of them just to make sure because when you're a little older and you have the injuries that he's had a lot of times I would put the doctors on uh I want to say in, in a uh on the what's the best way to put it I would put the onus on them so I we like this player 
I agree with everything uh, that you said, that he has range, he has speed. I wish he took on a little better with his hands, but most of these linebackers coming out don't know how to use their hands. But sideline to sideline, this guy's a run-and-hit guy, and he surprised me with some of his athleticism in coverage. Um, but if I'd say the doc, okay, if we draft this guy, how many years are we going to get out of him? So that may be determined on the medical. That may be determined on how well the surgeries went. It didn't look like it affected him at all this year. But if he has bad knees or something where he already has some degeneration, he may have a shorter career. So let's say the doctor comes back and says, maybe you can get three, maybe you can get him through his first contract. So the question is, from a team standpoint, recognize him and what he is as a player, but he's 26 by the time we develop him. And usually linebackers can make an impact, especially if they're smart, just like we've seen Ryan point out, I'm face junior. But by 28, 29 years old, those linebackers are starting to get a little long in the tooth. And it's the biggest question will be the longevity of his career with all the injuries that he has. And that has to be answered at the combine. Medicals, the doctors come back, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. You going to take him late day two, or is that too rich? No, I think he's a Friday talent. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I don't have any question because I, I don't think this is a great linebacker class in general. Right. Um, so if you need one, you know, this guy a little bit like a Drew Tranquil that came out um, when he came out of Notre Dame, uh, though I think this guy's a little faster, a little better athlete than Drew was when he came out. So, but – this will all depend if he is some teams may just take him off the board. Mm. So you see a guy and you see, well, God, he's a Friday talent, but why is he still sitting there on Saturday? It's less of a financial risk. If you take a swing at him on Saturday, than you do on Friday. All right. Yeah. He, he had a fantastic career, but it was, it was certainly a long one because of the injuries. Next up, Mike, this is one of, um, I don't know if it's one of your sleepers, Rick, but you certainly like this guy. Awesome Booker out of Kansas, defensive end. Uh, another guy who I thought had a pretty good senior bowl, solid season, played mostly outside. I think that's where his future's going to lie. What would you like about Austin? Yeah, I'm I'm unreasonably high on this guy. I, I think, <laughs> in my opinion, he's like a top 50 player in this class. Outside of like the top three edge rushers that I think will go in the first round, that everyone's kind of projecting there, though, Latu from UCLA, first from Florida State, and uh, Turner from Alabama. If I'd like pick one guy to be, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber pass rusher, it would be him just because the traits are off the charts with this guy. He's 6'4, 240, 34 inch arms, but he's really barely played any football. I think 505 snaps in his entire career. Started his career at Minnesota, just like didn't play in Minnesota. I don't know why, uh, but didn't play in Minnesota. Goes to Kansas last year, and the high end with him is so high in terms of the twitch getting off the line of scrimmage, his ability to to you know, just make tackles miss in short areas and then the bend. And then he plays with violence, even though he's not necessarily strong. T to me, you asked for a comp earlier. I have a comp for him, and it's Max Crosby coming out of Eastern oh, Michigan where it. Crosby was skinny as can be coming out of Eastern Michigan. Like that was – I remember Mike Mayock told him on the phone after he got drafted to go hit the weight room or whatever because he just needed that play strength to turn into the player he is today. To me, that's like what I see with Austin Booker is just – can he get stronger? Will he get stronger? And if he does, I think the sky is the limit. And because you see him throw a bunch of moves out on tape, he just needs some refinement with them. It's not that he can't do it. It's just that he's not necessarily has the practice because he's barely played a lot of football. So uh, I think he's just a heck of an athlete that 
probably will show it at the combine in Indy. Hey, let me ask you this, Rick, and you can grade plus or minus if you want the Max Crosby comp. Uh, I like it in the sense that coming out, Max wasn't very strong. Like I remember thinking, oh my gosh, he's getting ragdolled. And what's the math that you do when you're looking at a prospect trying to figure out how much weight they can add? Is that just looking at their frame and having a feel for it? Is that working out? Like, how do you understand what that might look like in two or three years? Because no one thought Max Crosby was going to be Max Crosby coming out of Eastern Michigan, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, no, we have our strength coaches and sports science people look at his frame to see if it, if they can add strength and bulk to it, we put a B alert on him, means that he could probably add 10 pounds, maybe 15, without losing his athleticism or speed. If it was a frame or an F alert for us, that means he was pretty maxed out, that he's not going to be able to add anything, that what you see is what you get from a body type standpoint. But this kid was intriguing for me to watch. Uh, I think he is still rawer than... Well, he's just very raw, um, and uh, you know I think he needs to get stronger definitely in the run game. There's a couple of times that he likes to hop around blocks and use his athleticism to try to beat blockers at the point, but a few times if the guys get their hands on him, he was toast. Uh, but you can see the bend and the burst and the athleticism coming off the edge, the first step quickness. We used to fall in love with guys like this, uh, you know, Daniil Hunter was a little bit like this when he came out. We got him in the third round. Uh, the DJ Wanams of the world who came out of South Carolina was, you know, a little bit like this long linear athletic that we would say and our defensive line coach at the time that's with the Giants now, Andre Patterson, uh, was excellent at taking the and molding these guys into pretty good edge rushers. So, Hey, Rick, let me ask you this. What were their um, grades in terms of their build? Did you feel like you could put more weight on them or no? Yeah. Yeah, we would put a B on them that we okay. would be able to add. We would be able to bulk. And so I haven't seen this kid's body in person. Uh, but most of the time, our strength coaches would write up a report on, you know, this guy can put on X amount of weight without losing his athleticism and his explosiveness. So this kid to me is is a borderline fourth round, third round, but his ceiling may be as high as anyone and and I agree with you Mike this guy has a lot of natural tools to work with but it may take a year or so before uh he can put all the pieces together we did that like I said you saw DJ Wanham start coming on and played really well this year uh, you know Daniil didn't play a lot he rotated in as a rookie and then uh he came along so this guy kind of fit the mold when I watched him on some of these raw long athletic guys that you can you can shape and they end up being pretty good players in the league if he would have stayed in one more year uh he would have probably been a first rounder and i think would have made a lot more money if he would have came back one more year well following up on that then that sort of brings us back to what mike's saying a, a top 50 guy if you know that if you're sitting there in the draft room and you say if he'd stayed in a year do you have those conversations or no no i just think that he's a year away I think he'll be a rotational help someone next year as a rookie, but I think he's still a year or two away before he's an impact guy. So I don't know. Usually if the first rounder, you're going to take someone in the first round in the top 50, you want them to come in and have an impact immediately. You're betting on to come on this kid. And if everything checks out where he loves ball, and I don't have any question about his effort and energy that he plays with because he does play hard. So that is a big plus uh, with that raw athleticism. And it seems 
at least like the tapes that I watched that this guy likes to play football. All right. I don't know if you want to say this part out loud, uh, but I'll ask you, does it make more sense for a, a booker, for example, to come out early and learn in an NFL organization or to stay for another year and perhaps not progress as much as you, he might under some NFL coaching. The difference between the first round is millions and millions of no, dollars. No, I get that part. Yeah. Never make up. So, yeah. and I think that, you know, if he would have stayed in, he would have made, even though let's say he becomes a great player and gets a big second year contract extension, you'll never make up those millions you lost coming out early. Yeah, he'll make it up on the back end when he when he does a podcast. You know how that works. Yeah, no, this one pays dividends, believe me. <laughs> all right, next up. So far, so good, Mike. Uh, Rick has had no complaints, and I, I think he likes all the players on your list so far. We'll see if this changes. Rick and I haven't talked about this guy yet. We've talked about his teammate, Joe, off the left tackle. But the other side, Blake Fisher, right tackle out of Notre Dame, really good athlete, enormous frame, moves well for his size. Um, this is a question I often ask. I don't know what there's not to like about Blake Fisher. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not my guy. <laughs> <laughs> You're just chomping. At the you wanted to get in. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, Rick. You know, I, I, I've obviously followed his career very closely. He was a guy who was highly, more highly recruited than Joe Walt was. Started over him as a true freshman at left tackle. Then he got hurt that year. And sophomore year, I thought he was great for a sophomore. I was like, okay, this guy's kind of on the trajectory to go top ten pick. So I kind of what we're seeing with Joe Walt right now. I thought this was like Ronnie Stanley, Mike McGlinchey 2.0 here with what they had at Notre Dame. And then he just, this past year, I, I didn't see a step forward. Now they lost uh, their offensive line coach in, gosh, I'm blanking on the name right now of who it was. But they, he just never saw that next step in his development. So that's why he's not getting talked about as a first rounder. But the athletic traits in terms of movement skills, explosiveness off the line of scrimmage, how he can mirror, it might honestly be better than alts. He just does not use his hands well. I kind of have some balance concerns with him on tape and how he can recover blocks uh, compared to alt on tape. And then, uh, but projects at offensive tackle, there's always, you know, good Lord only made so many guys that can be six, five plus with 34 plus arms, 34 inch plus arms and can move the way he does. So he'll still go fairly highly in the draft, but I, I do think that the combine testing for offensive tackle specifically when I see, uh, short shuttle times for them. I think it's very important to say, to kind of differentiate between those linear athletes at offensive line that may look good on tape in a straight line, getting guys, digging them out in the run game between the guys who are actually able to mirror NFL edge rushers at a high level. And so I trend towards the guys who have those quick short shuttle times. Uh, so hopefully Blake Fisher is one of those. Go ahead, Rick, tee it up. What do you got? Well, I may disagree on some things in this one. I love the size, the athleticism, the arm length. Uh, I think he is a physical run blocker, at least tries to be. I think he gets out of control and off balance at times just because he's almost overly aggressive. Where I had an issue, and maybe I got to go back and do more tape, was in the Louisville game. It was, I think he got benched that game. I gave up a sack. I think he gave up a strip sack. Uh, he just didn't seem, I don't know if it was, some kind of instinctual thing or why he And I didn't see the earlier tape, Mike, you talked about. So uh, through his career, so I'll have to go back and look at it. But I really thought it was maybe a lack of instinctual awareness, uh, trying to mirror and some of the things he did in pass protection. So I had some struggles there. Um, the guy that I thought he reminded me of 
that had all the same things and we missed on them uh, was uh, uh, who the heck the, the right offensive tackle that came out of pit TJ Cunningham T Clemmings TJ Clemmings TJ Clemmings he had some TJ that's Clemmings. a great comment huh? when, when did you take him yeah what round do you remember fourth round okay 2015 yeah do you remember him yeah I was higher on Clemmings too actually but I'm actually that high on Blake Fisher I, I don't Having when I'm that close to Notre Dame guys, usually it's either I love them or I hate them because they were not good. And Blake Fisher, I was like, why wasn't he better this year? And like you said, that Louisville game was tough. There was like a big reason why they lost that game. So, uh, yeah, I'm not actually high on him. I just do think as for his own sake, you know, as a guy who's young coming out, he came out early, not even 21 years old yet. Um, he better test well or else he may not go until late day three. Interesting. OK, so possibly late day three. Rick, where do you like him? I, I think he's a Saturday guy, in my opinion, right now. We'll see. I, how had, a, I had him a late day two guy because of the physical, the physicality, and I think he's a pretty good athlete for his size. And I think he's young. And the question is, and you talk about this all the time, you got to talk to the position coach and figure out if you can coach him up. And that's the the first part of the conversation after you you know you watch the tape together, right? Yeah, I just there was something in his C to do that bothered me a little bit. I don't know. Well, you know, maybe I just have that Louisville game in my head. I'm too hard on him. But I've seen some TJ Clemmings in him. Um, and you may not want to talk about this, but how long into the process did you realize that TJ wasn't the player you thought he was? Well, it wasn't because of length, athleticism. Uh, he was actually a pretty good run blocker. It was just some of the whatever C to do or the things putting together uh, in pass protection. Yeah. So then he slid inside the guard. I think he went on and played a couple of years at some other places and bounced around for about five or six years. This guy's more than, you know, will make it. I just don't know if he's going to be a red, solid 17-game starter year in and year out yet. Okay. All right. That's why we talk about him. All right. Next up, final guy on Mike's list is a running back. We haven't talked a lot about running backs. It feels like that's the last thing we get to, perhaps unfairly. But – uh, What's that? You don't like running backs. <laughs> I have admitted, and this is going to come up in momentarily. I struggle to sort of figure out where these guys end up on draft boards. Just, I, it's, it's one of my many weak spots Rick will attest to. But Jalen Wright, the running back out of Tennessee, he's the, he's the last guy on your list. He does not a return guy. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing and then you can get into this, Mike. I said he has Tevin Coleman like long legs and a high waist. <laughs> that was my first observation when watching. Rick will probably hate that. That's not the comp, Rick. That's just the first thing that popped into my Rolodex. But what do you got on Jalen Wright? Well, I think you haven't talked about running backs. It's a bad running back class. There's just not a lot of guys to talk about in this class that are exciting. And so I think he can make himself some money because when there is just not a lot of talent to position, I, I think teams would trend more towards the guys with high end athleticism and Wright is probably going to be the most explosive running back in this class. At least on tape, he looks like the most explosive. He's still young, still only 20 years old. Good size, 5'11", 210. Nothing like special in that regard, but like adequate. And when he was out in the open field, he just accelerates so easily, whether it's, you know, bouncing runs out to the outside, which he, you know, in that Tennessee offense does a lot because it's kind of a joke in terms of the <laughs> concepts they're running compared to what they're going to be running in the NFL. But you just see game-changing, angle-breaking type of speed in his game. He had a run against Georgia where he had Kamari Lassiter, who's probably a day-two cornerback, and Javon Bullard, who's probably a day-two safety. He had them – they were 
further downfield than he was. And he ran past both of those guys. So, uh, that's just something that, again, in a weak running back class, I think could really boost his stock to kind of near the front of the pack if he tests off the charts. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, I, I actually like this kid a little bit. Um, I was hoping he'd show up at the Senior Bowl, but I think he was invited but didn't show up down there because I do think for a bigger back, this guy can really run. Uh, I think he's got good vision in line. Um, the only thing that if I'm going to pick some holes in him is that once he gets in the open field, he's going to try to outrun angles. He's not a start, stop, start type guy that's going to make you lube, but he's going to lower his shoulder and try to run through you at the second level, uh, which I liked his aggressiveness there. I think he has good enough hands. I don't know how exceptional his hands are. I was at the Alabama game live. He had like seven catches that game, but they were all swings and checkdowns. Uh, towards the end of the game. Uh, I think Missouri had one drop in the Missouri game, but I don't know how good his hands are. Uh, I think that would be something that can be answered at the combine. And I actually liked him. I watched his pass protection. He'll step up. Uh, he's not afraid to put his face in there. Uh, the biggest negative probably is I don't know how quickly he recognizes where the blitzes are coming at times. Sometimes, and maybe it's the offense, he gets caught up in the trash, or sometimes he was late finding a blitzer coming if he if that was a linebacker coming through uh, opposite side. I don't know if he recognized that all the time, so I'm sure teams are going to try to try to sift through that to see if it's an intelligence thing or what the protection was and why he missed the protection here or there, but he's more than willing to step up and do that. So this guy was... Uh, a little bit intriguing to me as well. How intriguing draft day wise? Oh, he's a, I think he could be a fry. If he runs in a fourth, I think he may run in a four threes. Whoa. Uh, okay. I'm going to say that he is below four, four Oh, so I'll bet you a dollar since you're down $150 right. already. We have these dollar bets going and Mike, you're more than welcome to get on these dollar bets. Cause I, I'm going to say lose. he's at four, four Oh or lower. Jeez, the pizza. All right, that's a bold prediction. Save that for next week. All right, Debo, write that down so I can make myself a dollar. That's a moving. Do you see four sub four four speed, Mike? I think so. I mean, oh, who is it? We had Brees Hall and uh, Kenneth Walker ran sub four four. That's me, true. He looks faster than those guys on tape. So that's obviously not, you know, it doesn't always translate that way, but I do think he's in that range. I should have known that Rick already knew something because he doesn't, He he's the most cautious gambler I've, I've ever met. All right. Thank you, Rick, for that. All right, we're going to take a quick quick break. How would you grade uh, Mike's five guys, Rick? I thought they were pretty good. A++. Plus plus. <laughs> Except oh. for the right half from Notre Dame. I used to oh, grade my. your drafts. Now you're grading mine. That's a bit yeah, because yeah, I don't get fired <laughs> grading drafts now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can grade, you're going to grade uh, Rick's draft uh, after the break, Mike, because we're going to go through Rick's five right after this. All right, Rick, you're on the old hot seat here. Uh, I give Mike a lot of credit for going into some deep dives. I have some names that we haven't talked about, and you like to accuse me of low-hanging fruit. This feels like the fruit's already fell off the tree and on the ground, and you just picked it up and started eating apples with these guys. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I, I, because I had spent so much time digging through the lower-level guys that you put on this list. How like, dare you? I've got a lot to talk about. So How dare you? Wait till you see what the grades I have on those guys that we're going to talk about. Wait. All right, first up. 
Leatu Latu, he was actually at the Senior Bowl, which made Rick very happy. He competed the first few days of practice, had his leg wrapped on day three, but I, hopefully he's okay. Um, but he was dominant in the one-on-one drills and a lot of fun to watch. Looked like this tape during the fall. And Rick, we talk about it all the time. The only issues are medical, I would imagine. Yeah, the only reason I put him on here is because of the medical at the combine. Okay. Because I think he's one of the top edge rushers. There's no question about that. To me, he is the best edge rusher using his hands as far as not getting locked on and knowing how to swipe uh, an offensive uh, tackle's arms away when he gets trying to get locked on. He's got natural bend. I don't have any question about this guy's football, and you can call it low-hanging fruit, but it'll (laughs) be interesting to see if anyone takes him off the board at the combine because of his medical. And there may be some teams that, with that neck, depending on how the neck is, if they pass him or not. So it's not the player's ability. He's a first round talent. Uh, it is this guy's medical. And if he will stay on boards or actually get rejected off boards, uh, once he gets through the medicals at the combine, why would some teams pass him and other teams? I mean, the obvious answer is they have different levels of, of what's serious and what isn't, but it feels like if the doctor says something, the doctor says something. It's doctors are just like, you know, like I'm a, Mike, just so you know, I'm just a scout in the corner here. I just wait till I get called upon to give an opinion. Uh, and then Brian does what he wants to do. So <laughs> I try to, you know, throw in my two cents if I can help him out any way I can. Thank you. Um, but I would say, depending on the doctors, and it is still subjective, some doctors will say, we don't want to take a risk on this guy because if he does injure his neck and his career ending, uh, then you just wasted a first round pick and, you know, you got workers comp, you got how much money you got tied up into this with the guaranteed monies and things like that, uh, that could affect your future going forward. But my be, you know, if he gets selected in the first round or if you have him in that first round, I'm telling my doctors right now, I'm looking at him, is this guy pass or not? Because if he doesn't, we're not going to take him in the first round. We'll put him in a box. And if he is, completely a fail, then we're taking him off the board and wouldn't take him no matter what round or even as a college free agent. But I always left that determination up to what our doctor said. I'm not a doctor, although I do play one on this uh, podcast every now and then. And a soon-to-be Hallmark movie. Uh, we're looking for that, too. Mike, what are your thoughts on Latu? Because I think, you know, Rick's exactly right. He's a special talent and feels like a top 15 pick if he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, he feels like... He's like a third-year NFL veteran already. And he kind of is, right? Because his career got derailed by that injury. And so he's more developed than most pass rushers who are as talented as him because he stayed five years when, you know, realistically would not have stayed five years if it weren't for that neck injury. So I'm curious, though, Rick, were you with the Vikings still when Jalen Phillips was coming out? And if you had, like, his – because he had the same – Jalen Phillips the my, coming out of Miami had, like, the same thing where he had to medically retire. And then, obviously, I was wondering if, like, his – medicals were did teams have them off boards for him to fall all the way down to i think it was 18 that year I, i'm kind of offended mike i we haven't gotten fired i got fired two years ago but okay that's what i thought i thought you were i was just, <laughs> just making sure i know the exact date so. <laughs> january 10th you got fired this january 10th too <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I'm still active in the nfl trying to evaluate talent uh <laughs> But our guys did not have as big a concern when he came out, uh, where he was not off of our board for okay. medical. But I know when they go through those pods, 
at the the uh, physicals. Each team's doctors will look at it, and he'll get MRI'd and, and neck specialists and everything from A to Z. And some doctors will just tell you, no, we don't want to mess with this, or hey, he's will, will if he's that good a player, let's take a let's take a swing at him. You have a Rolodex for uh, Latu? Hmm. I got one. You're not going to like it, but I don't care. Go ahead. And you know this young man quite well. I think he's a, an amped up version, maybe not in terms of edge-wise, in terms of the way he walks around day-to-day, but I think he's a better player coming out than Jermaine Johnson. I agree. He's more fluid. That's, that's called a victory, Mike. We'll take that. <laughs> in the comp world, that's called a victory. All right. Top 15, right, Rick, if he's healthy? Yes, if he's healthy. But if he falls to Friday, you know, a lot of teams flunked him. Yeah. I mean, Montez Sweat went bottom of the one. B.J. Ojolari lasted till day two because of the, the knee. Aziz, excuse me. Um, B.J. lasted the day two, but he had a good rookie season as well. All right, next up, Terry Arnold, a guy that I didn't watch the last week because I thought he was coming back. That didn't happen. Um, he is my CB 1.5, Rick. How does that make you feel? That's good because okay. I think this will be the way Quinion Williams or Mitchell had at the Senior Bowl really put him up there as maybe the top corner off. So why I put this kid on the list is uh, he was very raw. He could play inside and outside. He's best in man coverage. Did not play very well at the game I was at. Got hurt in the Tennessee game. I think he had a concussion. But after they came out of that bye, this kid may have been the best corner in college football. I think he had four or five picks uh, down the stretch. A couple of them were gimmies, but he did make the plays. I think his one of these guys whose ceiling is so high where he's haven't even tapped his potential yet. Um, but he he finished the season very, very strong. I think he had like 17 or 18 pass breakups. He has natural ball skills. This guy is an Alabama corner that's not as beat up as some of those corners that come out of Alabama. And he just has maybe the highest upside out of any corner in this year's draft because of the speed, the athleticism, uh, and uh, how he improved through the year. Our buddy, Lee Doosable, we work with, asked me this the other day, and I'm not sure. He said he looked undersized to him. He's he's normal height and weight for a cornerback. He's, he's not undersized, is he? No, oh, he's not undersized. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts, Mike, on, on, on Terry Young? Because he, he did have a special year, especially the second half of the season. To me, he reminds me of Trey McDuffie coming out of Washington. Ooh. And I would love for him to go and play nickel like McDuffie does or, you know, like Witherspoon last year. I think that's a valuable position in today's NFL. And because he could do it so well, he's such a good, you know, all the things we said that were bad about Nate Wiggins. Like he does them exceptionally well. He's so good in run support. He's so good at taking on those blocks on those wide screens. He's physical, great tackler. So, yeah, I think he's like a ready-made NFL starter, even though he you know, really only started at Alabama for one year. I, I do think he is probably the most complete corner in this class. Hey, Rick, let me ask you this. Um, playing in the SEC against those SEC receivers, Malik Neighbors, Lad McConkey, my guy, um, Tavian Robinson out of Kentucky, comparing that to Quinion Mitchell's tape and knowing Quinion went down to the Senior Bowl and was as dominant as you could be, uh, how do you balance those two, two things out knowing the level of competition has been mostly different? Oh, I think there'll be a lot of group studies because I don't think – I think there's four or five corners that are potential going in the first round, but everybody may have it different according to what type of scheme that they play. So this is going to be one of the most intriguing positions in the draft, for, in my opinion, 
on who goes where and when. And a lot of it may be predicated on the team's uh, scheme fit. And Mike, like you said, Wiggins may be the top corner for someone that plays all man coverage, you know, where uh, DeGene may be the top corner for someone who can play Nick corner safety and play more zone type coverage. So it'll, this one's different because I think it a lot will depend on how these guys come off the board based on the scheme that the team that drafts them is running. All right. Next up. A guy we spent a lot of time talking hey, about. Make some good points for just a scout in the corner. No, well, you have a little experience. I'll give you that. You you make good points, and you are on your best behavior, which I we should have Mike on every podcast because this is this is like <laughs> easy breezy. Um, all right, this next one, Mike, is a is a quarterback, and I, I'll just ask you. I just put him on to irritate Ryan because he's going to talk about a quarterback that irritates me to death. So I just countered with his counter. Who you admitted that you were coming around on at the senior ball. I'll just leave it at that. Um, Mike, I'll ask you before we get to Rick. Explain to me why J.J. McCarthy is the top 10 pick. Tools, man. I mean, he moves so well in the pocket. I think he has the best pocket presence of any of the quarterbacks in this class in terms of just being able to operate from tight quarters. And that's you know, massively important when projecting to the NFL, right? It's, if a guy can handle that at the collegiate level, the learning curve you think is going to be fairly slim for him compared to maybe some other guys in this draft class where it's going to be an eye-opening experience when they get to NFL pockets. So I think that's the biggest thing. The other thing is that like, while he didn't drop back to pass a ton, it was really all drop back pass and concepts when he does drop back to pass. So he's not, you know, throwing pop passes, screens the way maybe Bo Nix is. Uh, when the offense looks way different than like what Caleb Williams is running at USC. So it's very NFL translatable, pretty much everything he does on tape. Now I may not draft him in the top 10 personally. Uh, I obviously won't draft him personally. I'm not an NFL gym, <laughs> but I, I do think there's a lot to like about this guy physically. Um, I do just worry that like, why was he never kind of given the keys to that offense? You know, why, why was he never, you know, you have Jim Harbaugh, who's one of the best coaches at collegiate NFL level, whatever. And they really never kind of turned the keys over to him and said, hey, if this is your, you know, go win us games. Um, that probably to me is probably one of the things where I'm like, hmm, it's a little interesting. And then also he throws lasers. Uh, <laughs> only he's got one speed, but but it, it, there is a lot to like about his game. So, Rick, Colin Kaepernick, Alex Smith, Harbaugh shows up and turns those guys around pretty quickly. To Mike's point, what? why not allow J.J. to do those things? Well, uh, see – Mike Ryan has him going in the fourth round. So, <laughs> Oof. tough crowd. Not the fourth. Stop it. Well, he does. He's my number four quarterback. I, I agree with a lot of things that you said. But the one thing is, I went back and, and like I said, the game that sticks out to me the most <laughs> are two games. This year or last year was the TCU game where you actually seen him throw the ball 30, 40 times in that game. It was a shootout. And he made every throw possible in the NFL. Accuracy, arm talent, everything. This year, they won games differently. And so we're going to, Ryan's going to discredit this guy because they didn't ask him to throw the ball against Penn State when they were running it down their throats <laughs> 62 times in the second half to win the game. So I think they ended up winning a national championship. I think this guy, I think, lost one game since he's ever since he started playing uh, at the University of Michigan. And I think when they do let him 
go or take the reins off him, he has the ability to do that. The only question, he just has to make better decisions at times because sometimes, like all these quarterbacks, he has a tendency to force it. And my favorite saying that I came up with, and I'll pat myself on the back, was <laughs> the Bowling Green game where he threw three interceptions and the Bowling Green Falcons. And I said that was just unfalcon believable what I was watching on tape. So. <laughs> I love it when you set up your own jokes. All right, Rick, I'm the owner. I'm coming to you. You have four guys as your first round grades on quarterback and i'm like all right rick why you have to sell me on taking this guy top 15 like how do i know that he's is he playing year one number one and how long do i have to wait for him to be a star well then i just like lay out why what, what do you want me to say I said, that's how you're gonna talk to the owner huh that's how you're gonna talk to me if i'm the owner yeah well debo i talked to debo and he the owner of this podcast he's like the owner you do talk to debo that way all right so you're taking him top 15 and you're starting him day one is what i'm hearing I think that depending on what my quarterback situation is, um, I don't think any of these guys literally are ready to start day one uh, when they come in the league. Uh, you know, CJ, we talked about it, and I know for a fact that CJ, they gave him too much actually in the first game, and they actually ended up pairing it back. So if he is going to be your day one starter, then you better have a plan and how you're going to feed him not all with a fire hose, but hey, this is what we're going to do first, and let's continue to build through the season to give him the best chance to have success. In retrospect, you think it probably would have made more sense to let Andy Dalton start over Bryce? Now, well, they had the, they, they gave away all that draft capital, had the number one pick, but they had no help around him whatsoever. <laughs> so this but, is a big uh, Bryce Young uh, podcast, pro podcast. Uh, I me too. Oh, there you go. There's three of us, Rick. We found us. All right. It's going to work out for him. All right. Next up, Rick. This is a young man we talked about very early in the fall because he had a great start to his um, final season at Minnesota. Safety Tyler Newbin is uh, we haven't talked a lot about safeties on this on this podcast either. So a little camp kitchens conversations here and there. Uh, Javon Bullard, if you want to call him a safety, he's more of a Nick. Tyler Newbin, Rick, Minnesota. Yeah, I really like this kid as a football player. Uh, I think he's comes up and run support. I think he has to play things in front of him. I think he has excellent ball instincts and awareness to make plays. Uh, I think he is just a fun football player to watch on tape. If I have to poke a hole in this guy, I think he's a little tight in his hips. And I think if he gets stretched vertically and has to turn and run, I don't know what his recovery speed is. That's why I'm anxious to see what he runs at the combine. But I thought, from an instinctual standpoint for the position, he was one of the guys that had the best instincts as a safety in this year's draft. He doesn't sneak in around one, does he, or does he? I think he's a two, second round. Okay, okay. no. You would hear my comp, or would that make you angry? No, it doesn't make me angry. I'm, I'm, I'm over that in my life. We'll see you when I, when I say these next two words. And this is back from the fall. I haven't gone back and, and recalibrated. Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates was more athletic. Jesse Bates did not run support like this guy did when he came out of Wake Forest. Oh, Tyler's better in run support? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, you didn't just yell and scream, so I'll take that. No, it's um, just an asinine comparison. Because there it is. There it is. <laughs> I thought you said you, thought you, said you didn't mind my comps. Uh, I my, don't. <laughs> any thoughts on Tyler? Yeah, I really like what Rick's you said there about he has to play things in front of him. I think that's when he's at his best and I look at like all his best plays and it's 
him either like driving down from quarters or being like a robber and just seeing something in front of him and like going and attacking it with, like you said, the instincts to like know where it's coming before it gets there. But I, I do, I not only want to see like his 40, but I think his cone and shuttle, because I have questions about his change of direction in space um, as well. So, you know, for tire, higher cut safeties like that, taller guys, it's just harder for them to play out in space the way, that's why I like Kyle Hamilton's a unicorn in that regard. So um, definitely think that if he ticks those boxes, it could he could be the first safety off the board. Kyle Hamilton is another great example, along with Brian Ban- Branch of guys who didn't torch it in terms of their forty times, and we'd let that affect their their draft status. Um, I don't think we're ever going to learn that lesson. We talk about it every year, but I think after this combine, someone runs too fast or too slow, it's going to affect our opinions. I'm just being honest, Rick. Next up, I'll take that as an agreement. Your final guy, Trey Benson. Um, injury history, but he's electric. You wouldn't know he's injured to watch him play. Like he ever suffered an injury the way he plays. I think um, if he's healthy, does he have an opportunity to get into day two? Yeah, I think he does. And okay. I really thought this kid played well this year. I think at Oregon in 2020, he had the maybe the worst knee injury that a running back could ever have. I mean, tore every leg, but I think he tore part of his hamstring. I was surprised this kid even is playing football. I saw something similar with Teddy Bridgewater when his knee exploded um, when 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 I was in Minnesota. Mike, I was actually there for a while. So this case, <laughs> you can Google it. They got this machine. Called, <laughs> you can actually look things up on this machine. I need to. I need to. I need to do that next time. Just try to figure out how to use that. Oh my gosh! Uh, but this kid. I, I was shocked at the severity of the injury and how well he plays because he's another violent runner. Um, he uh, has speed in the open field. Um, he can catch the ball out of the back. I had a hard time poking a lot of holes in this guy's game, and I thought he may be running back one coming off the board if his medical checks out. But to me, I fell in love with the kid because of the severity of the injury transferring from Oregon down to Florida state and overcoming all that adversity to play how he played this year, I thought was pretty phenomenal. So he is, or he isn't your, um, RB one. I think if he runs fast, which I think he's going to do, I don't think he's as fast as, uh, Jalen, right. But I think he's going to be right up there next to him, uh, in the four fours when he runs. He's my running back two right now, and the running back one is currently uh, on the men from an ACL, Jonathan Brooks. We haven't talked about him, and we can talk about him later, so I don't know how you guys feel about Jonathan, but I was, I like this tape, but unfortunately he got hurt. All right, Rick, those are your five guys. You gave Micah A++. I'll give you an A+. I don't want an A+. All right, well, is that what you told your folks when you came on your report card? I wasn't trying to get an A+. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I don't do pluses and minuses. That seems to irritate people that listen to this podcast. Uh, Mike, I'll tell you a quick story. Last uh, last Thursday, we did a top 10 mock draft where every pick had to be traded, and producer Debo had one rule. Rick, don't complain because people get angry you complain. So he complains for the first 20 seconds, and the top 10 comments are people saying, well, Rick, please shut up about the complaining and just, just <laughs> do the exercise. <laughs> Complain about the complaining. Uh, some people enjoyed, enjoyed your surly demeanor, Rick. So there's that. All right. Take a quick break and Rick, we're going to get to, uh, what we all came for my five picks and hear your, oh 
boy, here we go. <laughs> Your thoughts on these guys right after this. All right. We'll rip through these guys in like 15 minutes so we can get out of here. Because uh, I'm sure, Rick, you'll have all thumbs up on these. So I'll just be interested in Mike's thoughts. First up, Marius Mims, right tackle out of Georgia. Sort of burst onto the scene after the 2022 season in that uh, matchup against Ohio State. Was forced into duty. Only played seven games last season because of a ankle injury, I believe, is what kept him out most of the time. He rolled it up in the South Carolina game. But uh, for someone that size to move the way he does is freakish in, in the, the best sense of the word. And I think if he's healthy, Rick, he feels like a top 15 guy, maybe higher. The issue, of course, is is the health. But I don't think there are guys outside of Foshnu who probably move like that at that size. And I, the more I watch them, the more I like them. The issue is there isn't a lot to watch. Well, ask Mike. Yeah, I, or, <laughs> all right. Yeah, that, that's a good point, Mike. Let's let's give me some positives, and then we can go to to uh, negative Nancy after you. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I have him as OT three behind Alton Foshnu. I think, and, and I trend away to, away from guys who usually haven't played a ton of football. You know, because you didn't have ever a full year starter, only 803 career snaps. But when I just like watch him as an athlete and to me, he's very technically sound for a guy who hasn't played a lot of football, like how he, you know, his set depth, consistency, his hand usage uh, and his body posture is all like great in pass protection. So I think there's a lot to like from there, but obviously it's going to take a while because he just hasn't played a ton of football. The guy needs the reps, but. Uh, it really is all there for him to not only be, you know, good star at the next level. He could be Pro Bowl, All Pro type of guy with uh, what he has physically. Hey, Rick, is he better than Broderick Jones coming out? Just yes. in terms of football? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, off the two plays I watched in the <laughs> <laughs> two, two great plays, though. Yeah, it was two great plays. You guys are better evaluators than me. I'd like to see more body of work. I recognize the athleticism, the length. Uh, the flashes, but this guy's always hurt. I don't think he's ever made it through a season. And that's my biggest concern is what makes that history different when he gets to the NFL. In his defense, he was on the depth chart in 2022 and forcing a duty and played really well in the Ohio State game. And just last year, the one year he only played seven games because of the ankle. Um, I don't know if you have these conversations with uh, your trainers and your, and your doctors. I would imagine you prefer ankle injuries to torn ligaments in your knee and shoulders. That depends. Okay. Thank you for that. All right, next up. <laughs> One of my favorite players in this class. I've been talking him up since the summertime. And, oh, I'll be, we, we have to get you back on to talk about our guy, Riley Leonard. I was a huge Riley Leonard guy over the summer. He's now at Notre Dame, Mike. So uh, Rick, Rick never came around on Riley. He'll come around on Riley. I'm not worried about that. But he is coming around on Spencer Rattler. And he very quietly said on the podcast on, on Thursday's practice, after Thursday's practice in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, uh, Spencer had a good week. So he's six feet. He can throw the ball through a wall. Rick's issue is a, it's a fair one. Late game decision-making, but I always counter with, he had no choice because the offensive line stunk and they had Xavier Leggett and no one else. Cause everyone else was hurt. Where are you on Spencer? I see him as a day three guy. I, I just think, you know, he's played enough football at this point to kind of know that I don't think he's You're a high end processor. I, I think that's why he was benched at Oklahoma. That's why it never really turned into just high in production at South Carolina with all the tools. All right, Mike, thanks for having you on. We got to go. <laughs> go ahead. Thank you, Mike. That was it. I mean, it's all the tools, I but concur. man. Everything you're saying, I actually concur with of the nth degree. Yeah. <laughs> QB still between the ears at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, what about this, though? And there have been. Um, oh, God. <laughs> just settle down. He is 
I don't know, he's 21, 22, however old he is. But he's grown a lot in the last three or four years. In high school, he came off as a huge douche when we saw him on, <laughs> on Netflix or whatever. And uh, he was probably uh, a little tough to deal with at Oklahoma. And it feels like he's been humbled a little bit. And he he admits that he's he sort of made those strides. Are you more concerned with just the on-field stuff and the off-field has nothing to do with it? Yeah, it's more on-field. And I also okay. think he is I think he is older. I think he will be 24 uh, when he's drafted also. So he is on the older side. Yeah, that's right, 24 in September. All right, Rick, are you walking back out with the nice things you said about him in Mobile? No, he had a good, nice senior bowl week because uh, he can throw the ball. He just can't make decisions. That's all. Well, I have him going late day two, and I'm not coming off of that unless his arms fall off. Okay. All right. You're a day oh, three guy too, Rick? He's a day three guy for me. I think I asked you this before. You would take Bo Nix over Spencer? Yeah, I would. And Mike, where do you have Bo? Because Bo's a very uh, volatile, depending on who you're talking to, in terms of where I'm pretty at. high on Bo. I think okay. he's a first rounder. So. Okay. All right. I mean, you're not alone in thinking that. I think Rick, you're a day two guy on Bo. I think I'm a day two guy on Bo. Um, he's not on our list, but he certainly could help himself too. Although I don't know how. I mean, he's. I think he's a really good player. I feel like he gets a short end of the stick for reasons that are sort of unclear. All right. Next up, and Rick, this is a guy I thoroughly enjoyed watching, but I'll come to. Come to Mike first to see what his thoughts are. Anthony Gold, wide receiver at Oregon State. Undersized, 5'8", 172 unofficial, so we'll see what he ends up. But he played a ton of outside. Like He was 95% lined up outside. That's where he did most of his damage. And he also is a legit punt returner, which is an added element that you consider when you draft these guys. So um, do you get a chance to watch Anthony, Mike? Yes. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about it? I mean, yeah, he's electric. But to me, he's kind of in that – I'm trying to think of the guy. Who was I thinking of? When I was, he just, he's too small, man. And, you know, like the, at the NFL level, I think he had a sub 70 inch wingspan at the yeah. uh, 69 and change, Bowl, right? <laughs> which is like the amount of guys who are even in a three deep with that small wingspan. You can like count on one hand, the NFL it just doesn't, the windows are small and guys have to be able to make plays outside of the frame. And when you're that small, it's just hard to put a guy in a progression and like feel comfortable targeting him routinely. So he's kind of just like going to be a role bit player but in that i mean he could be i think it's trey tucker is that who i'm thinking of the cincinnati is that kind of trey was, build, was maybe? small and Absolutely. he ended up being top 100 pick i think so um it's possible but like he needs to test off the charts that for that to even come close to being the case and i'm glad you mentioned trey tucker because this guy his catch radius is enormous if you don't know how big he is he'll catch anything around him but to, to your point he has short arms so it's still going to be a small sort of window you're throwing into Rick, are we learning anything from Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, Tank Dell last year in terms of these guys being boosted up the draft boards or no? Yeah, I'm worrying this guy isn't them. That's what I'm worrying. <laughs> You're still down on Calvin Austin, who is a fantastic player in my mind, but go ahead. This guy is kind of like when me and Ryan go to these uh, oh, gosh. these coffee shops that he likes to go to every time we travel together, except his arms are shorter when he's trying to reach into his pocket <laughs> and end up, by, end up paying for all. Uh, uh, don't worry, Ryan. I'll expense this if I'm allowed. Uh, but, oh, yeah, this guy got shorter arms than Ryan trying to pay for a bill every time we go out to eat somewhere. Why so, do you tell these stories on me? These aren't even true. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm high on Anthony Gold. I'm higher on Anthony Gold than on Spencer Rattler. So okay. I take that for what it's worth. That's good. So when he gets drafted in the seventh round and gets signed as a college free agent, good for you. Because the Washington game was horrendous, in my opinion. He had a drop. There was every time I throw the ball down the field to him, it's like trying to throw to a net. I don't think he made one contested catch. 
Uh, he had down, four on the season. If he's underneath and runs all those little shallow crosses and some of the out routes, he's a little stiff in his hips, getting into and out of his cuts. He's a body catcher. Uh, he extended one time uh, away from his frame. He does have some electric speed after the catch, although he goes down on first contact. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I do recognize some punt return, although I have to go back and watch it. So hopefully he's a better punt returner than receiver, and he would make it as a punt returner first and maybe a fourth receiver. I think he has better hands than you give him credit for, just so I'm on the record for that, so people aren't coming at me when he ends up making the Pro Bowl as a rookie. I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) Thank you both for laughing at that. All right, next up. And I'm keeping the team small. So uh, Malik Washington out of, out of uh, um, UVA, excuse me, 5'9", 192. So he's an inch taller and 20 pounds heavier. My comp for him, uh, Rick, before you get fired up, is Demario Douglas out of Liberty, who had a good season last year when he was allowed to play for the Patriots. You say no? No. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll find out together. Mike, did you feel any better about Malik, or is he on team small catch radius for you too? I actually like Malik better. And he has okay. long, quite a bit longer arm. Than gold. I, I think it's actually so his wingspan's bigger than Roman Wilson in this draft class, it's bigger than like Chris Olave, Jaden Reed, guys Ooh, really nice who have produced as rookies. And I think wingspan is a better proxy than height for a lot of things. Not a lot of times you're going way up to get a ball, and especially for a guy who's going to be a slot receiver like Washington is. Um, that's probably more important than just pure height. Um, I like him. I, I think he's great after the catch in terms of like winning with just with either physicality, you can run past guys i think he's going to test out pretty well too whether it's like jumps 40 i think he's a pretty all-around gifted athlete um yeah i I, is still obviously on the small end but i do think he could i have him somewhere in the day two day three fringe oh okay there yeah i had him like um early day three so rick uh kick returner not a punt returner um what are are your problems with malik because i think he's he's a pretty good player yeah, no, he's very productive as long as he's short and underneath. Uh, they throw him some bubble screens, a lot of spacing routes, a lot of shallow crosses. The one thing I do like, he does extend the catch away from his body, unlike your other lap that you talked about earlier. Uh, biggest negative I have on him, he got open a couple times down the field on an out-and-go move where it seemed like busted coverage. I think he does have very good hands. Uh, my biggest concern is I don't think this guy is – is going to be closer to four six and he is four five. I think he's going to be in a four five five range. I don't see the speed that your Liberty flash had last year. Uh, I think Demario. this guy lower, yeah. but this guy runs with some authority for a little guy after the catch. He tries to run through you. He's got some contact balance. He's built a little bit like a small running back. It reminded me a little bit with the ball in his hands after the catch. I'm just the biggest thing I'm concerned about with this player is the uh, speed. Yeah, Demario 5'8, 180, 444. You don't see 444 from. I bet you a dollar he runs over 45. Do you want to say 455 so I have a chance or no? Yes, 455. All right, give me that under Debo. Just made it easy $2 on this guy. All right, next up, my final guy. I think it's my final guy. Yeah. Another young man that was at the Shrine Bowl, and I, um, Really enjoyed watching him. Dadrian Taylor Demerson, safety out of Texas Tech. And I'll probably be higher on him than than most people, but I I think he plays with an edge coming downhill. He's looking to run through somebody. I thought he was pretty good in terms of deep coverage, played primarily uh deep safety, eight pass breakups, um, four interceptions. 
2023. Um, Mike, what do you think about old DTD? I think he's definitely going to run sub four five five. I, <laughs> I mean, he's fast. This guy has real range. He's definitely one of the better athletes in the safety class. He's small though, man. I mean, five ten one eighty nine at safety is that's a tough sell for a lot of teams. And then small, and then not like a plus tackler either. He's not a wrap up nine down consistent guy in that regard. So. I think that's just a tough sell, even for as good as he looked in coverage in the one-on-ones at the Shrine. I thought he was the best safety there, obviously. But that's pure coverage ability at safety is, is just a small part of the job compared to uh, you know finishing those plays in the back end that are so important. So um, I see him probably as a day three guy. So, Rick, um, to Mike's point, he didn't miss nine tackles. He throws his body around, but he's not a wrap-up tackler. Is that something you can fix or no? I don't know because of the size. I mean, I, I don't have any question with his courage. I just think he just <laughs> bounces off some guys. And yeah. I think he's straight line fast. I think when he has to adjust or turn his hips, I don't see the instant acceleration for an undersized guy. Uh, he made, if you watch the Baylor game, it may be the worst angle I've ever seen on <laughs> 71 yard touchdown that he gave up, uh, closing to the outside on a deep ball. Uh, was just horrendous, uh, but I give him credit. Uh, the Kansas game, he had a big game against Kansas. I think he had a sack. He had a PBU. He made a nice interception down the seam. So I think this guy is going to make it as a day three backup special team guy because uh, I do think he's more than willing to come up and hit. I just saw some stiffness in him for a smaller guy that bothered me. Okay. All right. Well, We'll find out together. We'll reconvene in three years and see if uh, I was I was right or wrong. I think Rick knows the answer to that question already. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> All right. Um, Mike, thanks for joining us, man. This was actually fun. Did you have a good time, Rick? I had a great time. It was nice to have a guest in the house. I know. We had to be on our best behavior. We got to clean up. You know, you vacuum for us. Uh, actually, someone that had some common sense on some of the stuff <laughs> we talked about today, which was great. I know. Except I know. Damn Notre Dame right tackle. I had well, to, he, I had to just bring up the Notre Dame guy. Had, Mike yeah. was honest about it though. He he he's he was harder on Blake than I think either of us were. Um, a lot of the guys that you guys didn't like, I love. So uh, we'll find out. We'll see how it goes. And um, next week, of course, is the combine. You going to be in Indianapolis, Mike? I will be. Yes. All right. Well, hopefully, we'll see you then. For sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, in the meantime, thanks for hanging out with us. Remember, you can check out Mike Renner Ranks podcast for your podcast. Thanks, as always, to my guy, Rick. Thanks to Debo for producing. And thanks to all you guys who watch and listen and comment. On Thursday, Rick, doing a mock draft, two rounds, speed edition. So look forward to that. It's not a joke. We'll be back on Thursday. See you guys.